Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have M. Dewey on with us. She is an herbalist, holistic health coach, and menstrual wellness advocate. She is also the co-author of a new Oracle deck, The Sacred Cycles Oracle. So welcome to the show, M. I'm super excited to have you on, and I was telling you before, I have your Oracle deck. I love it, so I'm so excited to chat about it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and just share about all of this and much gratitude to you for getting the Oracle deck. It's so wonderful to see others working with it. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) So I would love to know kind of, you know, the menstrual health wellness space. How did you kind of get interested in it? Because I think all of us have a story of how we got there. So, you know, how did you end up in that space? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for many of us who uh, take a path of passion um, when it comes to business or anything like that often has to do with our own personal experiences. And mine is (laughs) very much in that line. Um, I mean, from day one, my cycle was quote, quote unquote, you know, difficult. Um, I was, uh, you know, missing school and just really, really struggling, was put on the pill pretty young. and uh, that was, you know, the Band-Aid. It was the Band-Aid over the gaping wound <laughs> uh, that didn't actually address anything, right? And so um, it was a temporary solution, but not even a solution in itself because I've since found out the number of um, kind of concerning things that arose because of it. So it had its own ramifications, right? Um, and with that, you know, I had to kind of go through a reclamation of my own getting off the pill and, and then kind of struggling afterwards. And by no means am I like perfect period person. I want to completely name and claim that myself. But to me, the journey was so much more about coming back into my body versus disconnecting from it. And as someone who really sees the value in educating and reconnecting in opening the dialogue really because so much of this is so quote-unquote taboo I think um that just having conversation can be so powerful and that's why I get so excited to talk about this stuff (laughs) um it's just to me there's a coming home piece um you know, as a person with a menstrual cycle, connecting with others who have that experience is so, it's so deep. It's so ancestral. It is um, a lineage that we all carry. And uh, there's a lot of magic there to be, to be woven in if we make the space for it. Right. Um, so yeah, my history plays into it for sure. And um, it's just a really wonderful space to be able to connect with others and you know, experience my own growth, I think too. I love that. And that's, I mean, the taboo of the period is so like out there. And I, you know, ran a course, you know, called peaceful period. And my mom, she, I was like, oh yeah, I'm running this program. She's like, I know I saw that you're talking about periods, you know, and I'm just like, it's, you know, of that generation, like my mom's in her mid sixties. And it's just like, no, we don't talk about that. Like that's something that happens, but we don't openly share our experiences. And I think that like our generation is starting to be like, you know what? Like, yes, let's take ownership of this. Let's understand this. So that's something that I'm really passionate about is people to really understand 
what, what is actually going on in our bodies? You know, what are these four phases? How can we live a cyclical life? So I would love to hear how you kind of weave in your own like menstrual cycle into your life, maybe your business, your daily life. How does that kind of play, um, play out in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, it all begins with cycle tracking. It's, it can seem very data oriented, but there is, it can be also be magical, right? There's some magic and mystery in the data collection. I always say like, we are both the scientists and the artist, and it, we are the scientists and the science experiment, really. So it's this, it's this combination of all aspects. So for me, the light bulb really went on when I started cycle tracking and was able to identify the patterns within myself and really um, have a little bit more compassion <laughs> towards myself for for what that um, what those phases look like. And I always share the big light bulb for me was after a couple months of cycle tracking, I was going back through my notes and realized that day twenty eight consistently for me was like this abs the world is ending I'm a horrible person everyone else is horrible <laughs> the world is just crap okay but no this is just day 28 and you know one of my absolute favorite uh words mantras whatever have you is this too shall pass and just remembering okay this is the experience I'm in right now but it is not for forever and so that was sort of an initial starting point for me, recognizing that this comes up every month and it feels so never ending in the moment, but it, it does. We move through it. I move through it and uh, the world gets a bit brighter, <laughs> not too far from that. Um, and, and through that, it was it really snowballed uh, for me being able to realize, okay, there's a time in my cycle that feels kind of crunchy. And um, I, I refer to those phases um, in connection with the lunar phases. So um, our bleed time is the dark moon moving into the follicular phase is the waxing moon time around ovulation, full moon vibes, and then moving into waning moon being that, uh, PMS time. And for me, day 28 is right there in the waning moon. And that is what I call crunch time. And so for me, when it comes to uh, like working with these phases in my life, I'm making space for these shifts has been the most important thing for me to acknowledge. Um, just as the example of my waning moon phase, I, I truly in my calendar mark out crunch week with like big bold letters <laughs> alert, just heads up. And with that, you know, I can't, it's, we may not be able to schedule our entire lives perfectly around our cycles, but at least having some awareness of it makes things flow even just minutely more smoothly, <laughs> just uh, with a bit more ease. Um, and that for me was a big difference, just having the awareness that, okay, this week might feel a little more difficult to do the peopling <laughs> in air quotes, um, connecting with others may not feel as smooth. Um, during my, my dark moon time, my bleed time, taking, you know, even just an hour to turn all the screens off, try to give some alone time, just those small acts of self-care, I think are key pieces to uh, 
connecting with the energy of the phase and giving yourself a little bit more grace. Um, We live in a patriarchal linear world that wants us to be same, same, same every day. And we are not same, same, same every day. And being able to acknowledge that and give ourselves just the, the grace, yeah, the grace of being, quite frankly, four different people throughout a month. Um, there's some real power in that. And I think that when we harness that, it becomes an opportunity to uh, not only just have a little bit more of ease, but also uh, connect to the superpower of each of the phases, because they do, they each have their own wisdom that we can bring forward. And I think that that's where working with each of them throughout, whether it be in business, um, our relationships, things like that, that's where we can kind of like become superheroes in our own ways in each of the phases and really, uh, really take advantage of what this gift is. It may not always feel like a gift, that's for sure. But I do think that there is um, a lot of wisdom in each of them for us to to harness. Yeah, I hope that answers that question okay. Yeah, do you have a favorite cycle phase yourself? Oh man, um, it definitely shifts, I think, um, throughout, because, you know, we go through seasons within our lives, right? Like there are these monthly cyclical season seasons kind of phases, and then on a grander scale, um, seasons within the year and, and so on. So I think that it shifts definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess, let's see, right now, um, right now I'm in a time where, uh, my dark moon has felt difficult. And so uh, I can feel some tension in my body as I approach that time. So that's been on the sort of more, you know, quote unquote, difficult end of the spectrum. Whereas I'm really feeling in the, the follicular waxing moon phase, this like giddy excitement and interest and curiosity. I have a lot of uh, projects that are percolating. And so being able to kind of approach these new things with some, yeah, that word curiosity is what always comes up for me in, in the waxing moon, just the, the interest and kind of approaching it with new eyes and um, some childlike wonder almost, you know? So that, I think right now, that's where, that where things are feeling juiciest probably in comparison to what's feeling maybe a little bit more constricted. Mm. I love that. And the, the seasonal aspect, cause I, you know, I Ayurvedic wellness counselor and Ayurveda is very much connected with the seasons. And, you know, I love that you you know, hit on that point of like, we're not the same. And I mean, we aren't, I mean, like really no one is, if we're really tuned into the seasons, because we're always shifting, you know, like in the winter, it's cold, it's dark. We don't necessarily want to do a ton of things. And then as that spring season comes, I mean, we feel that energy, like as, especially cause I'm in Minnesota, so it's cold and it's dark. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my goodness, I can wear shorts again. And it's getting just fun. And like, that's kind of that energy that if you're tuning in, you're like, oh yeah, that matches our cycle. You know, if we're tuned into each of those seasons. Um, and so that's something else that I'm, you know, super passionate about is just kind of having that aha moment of, oh yeah, like we have these cycles that are always going on and, you know, we all experience the change of seasons. And so that way, you know, if people are brand new to it, they're like, oh yeah, summer, that's the ovulation feeling. So I love, I love all of that. And if someone is listening and they're like, okay, 
how do I start like living in alignment with my cycle? Um, where do you kind of suggest people to kind of go like step one, where can they start? Heck yeah. Um, like I mentioned, cycle tracking was where it all began for me. And that is where I always recommend folks begin because this is a personal experience and you are in the process of reconnecting with yourself through understanding your phases. And so bringing that awareness into your own experience is of the utmost importance. It's not about trying to understand what someone else says about each phase. Yes, there are a lot of um, overlapping consistencies that folks probably will have similarities to someone throughout their uh, phases, but the reality is that it is such a bio-individual experience that you need to know and get familiar with your own way of being that that is where cycle tracking, I think, is so magical. And that truly can be so simple as just taking, um, you know, a, a scrap of paper, even it doesn't have to be a brand new journal or anything. <laughs> if you've got paper lying around, start that. Um, just day one, that could be, you could start as your bleed begins or it doesn't even have to be, you could start right now, regardless of where you are at in your cycle, but track what day of the cycle you're in. Um, sometimes folks begin day one as their bleed day, cause it's quite easy to identify. Um, if you want to start as day one, the, as the very end of your bleed, sometimes to me, that can be more helpful because we're looking at it sort of the way that we do the seasons. So if spring is that like awakening and beginning uh, phase, that's sort of where things sort of feel like, okay, and we're off again. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the winter phase can still feel like the ending of a cycle, you know? So, you know, take, take or leave, whatever, whatever works for you. Uh, and truly it's, it's just, what day of the cycle are you on? And a few notes about what you experienced that day, emotionally, physically, relationally, just some brief reflections so that you can go back and perhaps notice recurring words, recurring themes. Um, and I really recommend the best way to get at least a a solid taste of the patterns that may be arising is three months of cycle tracking. Great place to start. And then to me, most people get hooked and it's like, oh man, this is great. I'm so psyched to be taking these notes and it's so helpful that, you know, you kind of keep going with it, but three months will at least give you some, um, three months will at least give you some sense of the patterns that are arising and you can start to identify, okay, this is where I shift into my waxing moon. Even if you're still bleeding, maybe you feel that uptick in energy. All right, here's my waxing moon. Oh my goodness. Here's my big jump in energy. I feel sassy, saucy, want to be out in the world, full moon, ovulation energy. Oh, here is a dip in the energy after full moon into my waning moon. Okay. I can kind of feel myself turning inwards again and, you know, just getting a sense of the, it is that, that up and down kind of, um, experience. And, you know, that's the reality of our hormones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to make a note. Cause a lot of times I, I get folks that drop in who may not be bleeding or are on the pill and still want to have this kind of connection and cycle tracking absolutely still works. Uh, I say, you know, the best way to do it, if you don't have a, 
um, a physical bleed yourself with the, the physical experience of those cycling hormones, look to the moon and look to the lunar cycle. So you can begin tracking just based on the phases of the moon and see how you're connected to such a, a potent, um, luminary that, you know, affects our tides and our bodies are made of water. So there's connections there too. So I don't want folks to feel left out if they are not experiencing, um, an ovulatory uh, experience. And um, so just something to think about, but yes, my vote is always forever. Cycle tracking is the place to start. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I mean, and that's something that I, cause I take my, you know, temperature every morning and I was like, Oh, I'll just start this for, you know, a month and see what happens. And then I've been doing it now, like three years and you're like, Nope, this is great. Cause then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like this morning I woke up and I was like, wow, I have a really high temperature. I got to bed super late. Cause I, you know, I was at a basketball game, but I'm like, Oh man, just to kind of see how that affects. I'm like, yeah, I totally like, I missed probably my REM and, you know, was up and, you know, it's a full moon, all of this. I'm like, man, I am just way higher. And I don't feel like sometimes it's a cue that I'm like, oh, I'm getting sick. But for me, I'm like, no, I don't feel like I'm getting sick. Like, I I think it is just all the other factors. And that's where I like, you know, playing your own detective, just kind of seeing like, oh, why is this happening? And then we start, we have data on ourselves, which is just so cool that you're like, oh, I have all this. I've been tracking this. And you can identify like your own, like day 28, you know, where you're like, cause I think all of us have that, like mine's day 25. Like, I'm like, yep. Like this is the time where things are turning. And I can just, I need to get off social media, you know, those inner things are just there. And I have clients are the same. They're like, I'm just like so hot. And like, you know, during a workout with them, they're just like, oh my gosh. And it's, and they're like, yeah, I know where I'm at in my cycle. And it's, that's, what's causing all of these things to come up. And I think it's so beneficial for us to, to realize, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up, um, basal body temperature tracking too, because that's like next level cycle tracking. Once somebody gets into just, you know, collecting emotional, uh, uh, physical, you know, just like notes, getting that basal body temperature that blew my ever loving mind. (laughs) When I started doing that, I, and, and seeing the patterns and being able to identify exactly when you ovulate exactly when your temperature drops and your bleed is about to begin. I, I felt like an astrophysicist or something. I was just like, this is the most amazing data. And I felt so, um, just in connected to my body and affirmed by my experiences too. And like you said, you know, being able to notice, oh, okay, yes, I did not sleep as uh, my normal sleep pattern. How does that affect my body? And just being able to, to, to me and, and part of the sacred cycles work um, and the Oracle was a lot about body literacy and uh, mm-hmm. cycle tracking absolutely plays into that. When we have a better sense of what our bodily experience is and can readily identify these things, we can advocate for ourselves on such a more profound level, especially when it comes to working with medical professionals or just any kind of healthcare, being able to bring that information to someone who's trying to support you in that way is absolutely revolutionary and can completely shift your experience in the medical system. I I truly believe and have had the experience myself. Um, 
it is so profound. So yeah, if you want to like next level your cycle tracking game, hop into like basal body temperature, the uh, fertility awareness method kind of thing. I highly recommend 10 out of 10. Yes. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yes. And a lot of the times those apps, you know, I kind of teach too. I'm like, when the, when it says you're ovulating, that's not necessarily true. You know, that's based on the 28 day cycle and everyone again is going to be different. So that's why I think it's also so key for people just to kind of have that knowledge. And a lot of the times people are like, I didn't know that. Like I've been trying, you know, if they're trying to get pregnant, they're like, I didn't, I didn't realize that I've been following my app. And I was like, Oh no, I'm like it could be, but it also might not be, you know, like we have to kind of get, you know, clear on that. And then, you know, the cervical mucus is a whole nother conversation. And so all of these layers where you're like, Oh my gosh, why did I not learn this in school? You know, like we were taught, like, you know, you have sex, you get pregnant immediately. And that's just what happens. And so that's what I think we grow up and we're like, okay, oh my gosh. Like we're terrified of our own cycles because of that. Exactly. Exactly. And again, it's that empowerment factor because I do really feel that because of the lack of education, there's a serious disempowerment that happens there when we aren't informed about what our bodies are doing and capable of, there is a disconnect that happens in the sense that we're not able to step into fully claiming and being embodied, especially when it comes to um, like contraception and things like that. Like there's, yeah, one of my biggest passions is talking to young folks about our cycles as well. I do some work with a uh, leadership and nonprofit for particularly for young girls and being able to have these conversations with them has been some of the most uh, just heartwarming and encouraging moments that I've really been able to have in this work. They are so ready and hungry for this information. They know that they deserve more than yeah. the, the you know traditional schooling methods are giving them. And they just have so much to share and get so excited when they're given a different paradigm to approach things with, right? And I think, you know, regardless of our age, so many of us are ready for a different paradigm around this. But for young folks who are just entering into their um, puberty years and, and you know, first bleeds and all of that, it's such a potent time to really get that narrative that is of an embodied perspective, of an empowering perspective in order to you know, move through life in a completely different way than so many of us, as you were just speaking about, you know, have lived our lives up until now for sure. So yeah, I am so grateful that this conversation is happening so much more. Like you said, my mom's the same way in terms of not speaking about it, but I'm so grateful that there has been, you know, kind of a period revolution, I think, um, thanks to social media, probably. Um, and um, some really wonderful, uh, you know, inquiries are happening and, and conversations are happening because of it. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, every generation just getting better and better as we go, which is just all we can ask. And like the signal will slowly, hopefully start to go away and just be like normal, normal things. So I want to kind of, um, you know, talk about herbs before I let you go. Cause I know, you know, you are an herbalist I want to talk about herbs with your cycle. So I, you know, I've studied herbs, but I'm like such a, like just rookie, rookie, rookie. So I always tell people like, I know a little bit, but I don't feel comfortable sharing a ton. So I would love to know kind of how you work with herbs and the cycles. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So as an herbalist, I, oh God, I nerd out on the plants so hard. This is like <laughs> one of my true, true loves talking about periods in plants. Um, <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that for I me. I love it. Um, 
And yeah, this is really how I entered into the world of menstrual health education. Like I said, you know, my personal experience, I'm struggling with it as a young adult, but getting into herbalism was definitely a big part of my own healing journey and and continues to be a part of my own healing journey. Um, Right now, I, I, well, let me backtrack. When I did an herbal apprenticeship program a couple of years ago to really deepen my practice around working with the plants. Uh, we had to do a final project. And, and with that, I, I decided to focus on, on menstrual health. And I came up with what I now call my cycle support kits. Um, and this is a four tea and four flower essence kit, herbal teas that are aligned with each phase of the menstrual cycle. And uh, a huge part of it is, yes, there are herbs in there that are specifically designed for each of the phases to support energetically as well as physically what we're going through, but also as a self-care ritual, right? Because when we can identify the different phases and really give a moment to ourselves to connect with that um, that energy and that, that shift that we're in, that's really where that embodiment piece comes in. So um, when we're talking about herbs, I'll just kind of focus on the cycle support kit because it's the easiest way for me to really uh, dig into a few of the fun herbs for for each of the the phases. So I like to begin with the waxing moon, um, waxing moon phase being your follicular phase. So you're coming out of bleed phase, you've kind of been in this like inward time of quiet, it's the winter of the cycle previously, so you're finally moving into follicular phase, waxing moon is the springtime, right? So your energy is beginning to build again. Uh, You know, you're in this world, but maybe not quite of this world yet, I like to say. And so it's a lot of like building the body up after that release of the dark moon. So one of the primary herbs that I love to work with during this phase that's in the waxing moon tea is nettles. Nettles is a sadly uh, really identified as a weed and a nuisance for a lot of folks who try to get rid of it. Whereas I'm the kind of person who literally planted nettles in her garden at my last apartment. I did too. I did (laughs) last year. (laughs) Love it. I'm so glad. Nettles needs more love because it is truly such a powerful plant. It is one of the most nutrient dense plants that we can work with high in iron. It's just absolutely amazing. And so to help the body, you know, you've lost a lot really in terms of um, shedding throughout the the dark moon time. So come into our waxing moon follicular phase, we want to rebuild, we want to nourish the body and help to kind of replenish, right? That word replenish really comes up a lot for me in the, the waxing moon phase. So I highly recommend nettles, another great one, um, would be uh, oats. And that's oats is just, again, really nutritive. We're looking to up the nutrients here, helping to rebuild. So um, nettles and, and oats, whether that be oat straw or milky oats, uh, both can be beautiful during uh, the follicular waxing moon phase. Um, and the, that tea in the, the cycle support kit, the waxing moon tea is uh, also, there's also some uh, spearmint in there. So it's a minty kind of fresh, you know, so we get that very like spring like uh flavor to it as well and when we move into the full moon so that's around the time of ovulation and you know we know that ovulation is a one-time one-day event right but there's the energy around ovulation extends beyond that so it becomes its own phase really 
so the couple days around ovulation, uh, from my experience, I don't want to project and, you know, expect anyone to have the exact same, but oftentimes it's a very heightened energy and we're feeling this sense of like boldness and wanting to be seen and, you know, very full moon vibes. Right. Um, and that's of course, estrogen, all of the hormones are, are high and you're just kind of vibing and feeling yourself. Um, hopefully. <laughs> and so in the full moon tea, um, it's a very uh, bright, sunshiny tea. There is turmeric in there, um, as well as calendula. Um, and if we think of uh, turmeric as working in a, a sense of like modulating inf inflammation, um, we want to think about how this is a heightened energy, right? So it can be stressful on the body and create um more of a response in the body. So turmeric can be helping helpful in soothing that. And um, we've also got uh, Damiana in there. Damiana is a really juicy, uh, luscious plant um, that is often uh, kind of maybe pigeonholed or boxed in as uh, an aphrodisiac, but it's really about just bringing uh, like blood flow and helping to um, just kind of like bring that, that word juicy always comes to me when it comes to Damiana. Um, and then lastly, there, there are others in there, but lastly, I'll speak to passion flower and passion flower as an herb. I use that in the mix to kind of help modulate the experience, that heightened energy experience. So passion flower can help to ease that, uh, spinning mind, the, the mind that kind of, uh, runs in circles. And when you feel so pulled in so many directions, cause you've got all this energy, you want to do all the things passion flower kind of helps to soothe, calm, bring you back to center and ensure that you know, you're not, you're not throwing yourself to the wind <laughs> that you are taking action that feels aligned. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's easy to love the full moon phase, right? If, if, if you're feeling good, it's easy to love it, but it's also easy to, um, kind of become, yeah, d disconnected or, or strewn about. So important to, yeah, bring yourself back to center and, um, and channel that energy in a way that feels aligned. Um, uh, moving into, to waning moon. So, right. I mentioned this is kind of like quote unquote crunchy, um, crunchy time where it can feel a bit difficult to be out in the world that you, in the same way that you were with the, the full moon phase around ovulation. So the herbs in this tea, this tea has a more chai flavor. So it's very warming. And the idea behind that is that you you're readying the womb space to be able to release and to bring so to bring warmth to the womb space is so helpful when it comes to nourishing and creating an easier release time during during your bleed phase during the dark moon time so um with those warming herbs uh there's a i, I use red rooibos in in the tea um as well as cardamom star anise there's licorice licorice is a, a really lovely um gentle adaptogen and so it can feel stressful in the um in that, that waning moon phase to kind of be trying to keep up with things. And so we're helping the body to remember like, okay, breathe, come back to center, drop into that womb space, warming up that womb space. Um, also using raspberry leaf and that, that blend raspberry leaf, 
you know, I could have used raspberry leaf in all four of the teas because I think that it could really just be used um, as a daily tonic. It's such a wonderful womb ally. Um, but it, it's, yes, yeah, so it's in the, the waning moon tea as well. Um, and then lastly, the dark moon tea. Um, this one is specifically aligned for the bleed time. And um, I just have to make a note about the, the color of all the teas. They, the whole process of creating a sex support kit was so funny in the magical way it kind of came about that each of the teas look like the phase. So the waxing moon is a green color. It's very spring-like full moon. It's this bright yellow, um, sunshiny color. Moving into the waning moon, it's kind of this like fall reddish orange, excuse me, reddish brown kind of. Um, and then finally the, the dark moon tea um, is a, a pretty vibrant pink and a red uh, for your bleed time. So, and it, it kind of smells a bit like Christmas. <laughs> so, um, so herbs for, for the dark moon, for the bleed time. Um, I, I try not to, to look at, uh, our experience of, you know, the allopathic, um, just treat a symptom, but one, sometimes it can be helpful to, to, to look at those things, especially if we are experiencing say cramps in the moment. And, um, so in, in the dark moon tea and one of the herbs I often um, bring in as an ally for the bleed time is cramp bark. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> it's a, a beautiful herb in that it helps, um, uh, smooth, uh, excuse me, smooth muscle smooth, my goodness, tongue twister, cramp bark helps smooth mus muscle tissue to kind of just like gently ease out. So if there's tension in there, it can help to um, smooth that out a bit. Um, so that can be a really helpful ally during the bleed time, um, especially for those of us who do experience cramps. Um, there's ladies mantle in there as well, which is kind of similar in the sense of raspberry leaf. It is uh, uh, just a nice general tonic for the womb space. And um, again, could probably be used quite consistently um, as, as a tonic. And, and then there is also, in order to get that, that pink color, I used hibiscus. And so hibiscus is a more of that astringent. It has kind of like a almost sour taste to it in some ways that you get a little bit of that puckers, um, fruitiness to it. So it, it creates the pink color in the tea, but as an astringent, it helps to tonify in the, the womb space and toning of any muscle is helpful because it can help to smooth out what would otherwise create, um, sort of that tension that creates the cramps. So looking to astringent herbs can be helpful um, for, for modulating or, or working with um, concerns of cramps and, and things of that nature. There are a few other herbs in there, but um, those are the ones that I, I think kind of stand out as, um, you know, the best allies to look to. And I, you know, I think that if someone's looking to work with herbs in their cycle, um, one of the most just a really wonderful way to connect with the plants on their own is to focus on one plant, you know, and just steep that as an herb and experience that in your body take note of like how that impacts you and work with it for a few days, for a couple of weeks, whatever you feel called to and, and notice how 
how it speaks to you, right? Because these plants so deeply want to work with us and so deeply want to provide their guidance and help. And, um, you know, you don't need to be crafting your own teas. You can just work with, you know, one on, on its own and, and see what it has to say and see how it helps you um, and start building your, your ally team in that way. It can be a really wonderful way to start. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Um, and if people are like, oh, I would like to purchase, do you have these available on your website? Yeah, absolutely. The cycle support kits, I have a one month kit um, where it's, you know, for a full cycle and then the full size kit is for three months. And that can be found on my website. Uh, that's gardenofthemoon.co. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I love it. And I have uh, raspberry and an oat straw infusion is my favorite. So I usually will have that. And yes. I mean, it just, oh, I love it. Those are my two, my two go-tos. <laughs> That makes me so happy to hear it. Yes, that's such a beautiful combination that is so soothing and nutritious. Oh my goodness, beautiful. Yes, yes. So I would love, um, you know, since you have your Oracle deck and I know you brought it here, um, I would love for you to pull a couple cards for us and, um, you know, maybe just share a little bit behind each of the cards and, you know, how this deck came to be as well. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. We'll shuffle up and see what comes through here. I like to do... Um, just like a, a two card pull for us, I think, uh, where we'll look at what are we releasing and what are we calling in? So we'll set the intention for those who are listening to receive whatever medicine they are in need of, whatever message would be most helpful and supportive in this time. All right. And for our question of what are we releasing? Mm. This is card number 45, cervix. Beautiful. I'll read through both of them, but let's um, let's pull our other card for what are we celebrating? Celebrating number 10, 13 moons. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll read parts of the, um, the entries for each of these from the guidebook so folks can get a sense of, uh, you know, what the messages sound like. And um, let me backtrack, though, because since one of the cards came, that came through is cervix and, you know, there's a section in here about anatomy, I, I just want to speak to how important it was for us to uh, create a section that actually addresses our anatomy. Um, I feel we had spoken about before about education and um, I truly am in awe of how little information is truly provided about female bodies, particularly. Um, and as someone who really did not know her anatomy well enough until probably like my late twenties. <laughs> um, I think it is so important for us to be able to identify what is going on in our bodies as well as, as connect to like these, what they energetically represent. And so the entries, the messages in the guidebook uh, for the different anatomical um, cards are both addressing the physical um, anatomy, as well as what the energetic message can be. So hopefully this is helpful um, to, quite frankly, anyone at any age. Um, 
I'm hoping that, you know, this card, the, excuse me, this deck finds its way to young people who are just beginning their journey, um, as well as those of us who could use a bit of guidance, <laughs> regardless of our age, and, um, and just find some comfort in that. Um, so that was my sort of little disclaimer or a sidebar on that. But um, let me let me read the uh, the card for cervix. So our mantra is for, and this is again for what we are releasing. Mantra is, I know what is best for me. Acting as a sacred boundary and gateway, the cervix provides, excuse me, protects the sanctum of the womb space located at the end of the vaginal canal. It shifts position and shape throughout the hormonal cycle, expanding, contracting, releasing fluids and adjusting as needed to the sacred body's energetic experience. This threshold invites you to acknowledge your boundaries and edges of comfort. It is time to consider the relationships, contracts and connections in your life. Find clarity around who and what is rooted in integrity and where your truth has been earned or broken. With this comes the balancing act between safely de-armoring the blockades constructed from fear or trauma and empowering your own discernment. This process is slow and steady. No need to rush. Allow yourself the time and space to connect with the wisdom of this inner boundary and apply its guidance to your experience. And then we end with a journal prompt. Where in my life and with whom do I need more or fewer boundaries? So with this coming up as what are we releasing? I, I feel like this kind of message always uh, plays into a, a, a releasing of its own, just in the sense of what are the relationships, contracts, connections that, that may have served their time and are on the way out or perhaps need to be ushered out. So it might be something to uh, for folks to consider there. And so for our card, for what are we celebrating? The card was 13 moons. And the mantra is, I trust my inner wisdom. Immerse yourself in the wisdom of the old ways of tracking time. The 13 moons calendar reconnects you to the sacred cycles within the wheel of the year. This exploration of time holds the power to reconnect you with the intuitive experience of a life lived in close communion with nature's cycles. This is a reckoning of your innate power, of your intuitive guidance that has never left you. You can rest assured that an abundance of inner knowledge resides within you now, awaiting your awakening and remembering. You are being called back into harmony with nature's rhythms to help navigate your current experience and soothe you. You may find comfort in exploring your ancestry back to the ages of those who have lived in alignment with the lunar calendar. These ancestors hold keys to earth-based practices that will help reawaken and strengthen the inner power and wisdom that is so dearly that so dearly wants to be expressed through you. Open yourself to the old ways and witness what magic comes through you. And our journal prompt is, what do I know about my ancestors? What can I learn from them? And so as a celebration card, it feels quite potent to be able to... Uh, just recognize and connect with the world around us in a more embodied and, and sacred and ancient way and celebrating whatever steps you have taken on that path already and, um, and really honoring the journey that you've been on so far, regardless of quote unquote, how far you are, because truly there's, there's no beginning and no end. <laughs> it's just part of the journey. So 
I hope that that um, serves folks who are listening. And um, I, I am always excited to connect with folks about these messages. So would be so welcome and open to, to hearing from anyone as well. I love that. And I will tell you that the 13 moons card, I have drawn the most of any card from the deck. No way. <laughs> so I was oh like, my oh, goodness. again. All wow. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay. They are speaking. Goodness. I love when the oh. cards repeat like that. Oh, I was man. like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> So when you drew that, I was like, all right, wow. It just keeps showing up. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. That really, Ooh, I got the goosies of that one. (laughs) Love it. Oh, well, if people want the deck, where can they find the deck at? Yeah, absolutely. Head to my website, gardenofthemoon.co. You can also find it on Amazon um, if you want to go that route. Um, and then the sacredcycles.com website. So any which way you please, it's out there and ready for you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, um, and then where can we connect with you like uh, on social media? Where are you most active or where do you want to kind of connect with people? Absolutely. Yeah. Instagram's a beautiful place to, to connect garden of the moon on there. Um, and the sacred cycles deck does also have um, an Instagram page. If you want to get a better sense of the cards and kind of the, um, what to expect from the deck, you can check that out at sacred cycles Oracle on Instagram as well. But to reach me personally head to garden of the moon. And I really love connecting with people on Instagram. I have kind of an ambivalent relationship with social media, but when I get to connect with real humans and uh, get messages and and conversation, that's where the goodness lies. So please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from anyone. Totally. I agree. Uh, Well, thank you so much for coming on. I just have one final question. I like to do a weekly challenge to the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out a little weekly challenge for everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be? Oh my goodness. It feels like we have to go with beginning of cycle tracking. And if you haven't already started that, this is a per- perfect place to start. Um, even with the, the few, few days in a row, right. Every, every practice, every habit begins, um, with a couple days of, of just committing. And so, like I said, it can truly begin with just a scrap of paper, write down whatever day you're at in your cycle. Um, and, and just a few notes, just a few notes, physical, mental, emotional relationship, anything like that, so that you can get a sense of, uh, you know, what your day looks like and, and go from there. And I hope that it turns into a consistent practice for those who aren't already um, in the cycle tracking spheres. So <laughs> mm, I love that. Oh, well, thank you so much um, for coming on and just sharing all of your wisdom. It was so, it was so wonderful to chat with you. It was so great connecting with you. I'm so grateful for the time and grateful to everyone who listened in as well. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.